0: Thanks for joining us for Life Community Church. So welcome. If we haven't met yet, my name is Dan. I'm one of the lead pastors here. And let me plug small groups real quick. I love small groups. This is one of the best ways just to get to know people, to grow in our spirituality together, to realize that um, you're not the only sinner in the room and other people have issues too. It's really encouraging, I think, to just be together, encourage each other in this walk of life and um, as we walk towards Jesus together. So join a small group. Go check them out. LifeMohammed.org slash lifegroups is where you can um, see those. So the last, what, four weeks now, we've been unpacking the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven. Um, it's something, you know, that that is meant to be so deep and rich in our lives. That's how Jesus gave it to us when his disciples said, hey Jesus, teach us to pray. That's what we're doing here. And so I imagine when the disciples first heard that, they really took it to heart and they really tried to understand um, what the Lord's prayer meant for them. And I think since we've heard it, since probably maybe since birth, if you've grown up in the church, or maybe you've just heard other people say it, it kind of becomes rote. It becomes just... Kind of another thing, and it doesn't mean much to us anymore. You know, there uh, uh, there's this place where I grew up in Bloomington. I grew up in uh, actually, I grew up in Normal, which is right next to Bloomington, if you know it. And uh, my parents now live just a few blocks away from this little corner, this nice little parking garage. And as a kid, I would pass it and not think anything of it. And as an adult, I lived uh, maybe a mile from it, and I went to church like right across the street the other way at the Castle Theater. We met in a church there, if you've ever been there. And uh, I saw, when I was an adult, this kind of historical marker-looking thing. I thought, well, that's kind of neat. I wonder what that is. So I went over there one day, and I started reading it. In this corner that had no meaning whatsoever, like just a nondescript corner, has now, every time I pass it, become a corner with like so much meaning. Let me tell you about it. So Abraham Lincoln gave what people call one of the best speeches he ever gave right on that corner, right next to that parking garage. Obviously, the parking garage wasn't there at the time. There is a conference center there. And uh, they call it his lost speech. Because what happened was Abraham Lincoln was giving this speech, and all 40 reporters that were there, they were taking notes, and about a few minutes in, they just stopped taking notes. They put their pens down, they put their pencils down. This um, this one guy uh, says that his speech was just so amazing that he couldn't take notes anymore. He just wanted to soak in the speech. Um, there's some reports about it that say it was um, one of the starting speech about slavery and um, how we have to abolish it. How it was um, the one of the precursors to the uh, Gettysburg Address and um, the Emancipation Proclamation. It was kind of the start of that. And so all these reporters are like, wow, this is amazing. And so it's the lost speech. It never got recorded. It never got written down. So now when I pass it, this corner has so much meaning because I've learned about it. I now pass it. The last time we were in town um, visiting my parents, I passed it with my kids in the car, and I told them, guess what happened at that corner? It's amazing. Let me tell you about it. And I told my kids about it. I think that's what we gotta do with the Lord's Prayer. We've got to revisit it and find out why it has such deep and important meaning for our life. So we're going line by line, rediscovering this prayer, so that it can be a prayer that brings us life as it's meant to be. Um, the win for today is not that you learn like tons of knowledge about the Lord's Prayer, not that you leave here. Um, having a college degree in the Lord's Prayer, but just that you are inspired to pray this prayer this week. That especially this line, as we pray, give us today our daily bread, that you understand it on a deeper level, and that it inspires you, that this message inspires you to pray that. If you've been inspired to pray the Lord's Prayer after today, great, that's all that we want today. So I challenge you, as we've been challenging you over the last couple weeks, say the Lord's Prayer every day, and the challenge isn't to say the Lord's Prayer, right? Because we can say that and uh, I timed myself the other day. It's seven seconds is how fast I can say it. Um, that's not really what the Lord's Prayer is about. It's about saying it with meaning and with our hearts. And so um, say the Lord's Prayer this week, every day, um, with meaning in your heart. So we've gone through Our Father Who Art in Heaven. Liz taught us that sermon and it was... That God is a good father. He's a father that's always near us. That we can approach him without fear, without, uh, without having to be nervous in his presence, that he's just an angry, vengeful God, but that he is a good father who, when we approach him, welcomes us into his presence. Isn't that amazing? Like the creator of the universe welcomes us into his presence like a good father. I think that's absolutely amazing. We come to the Father, a good Father, as His children. Then we looked at um, hallowed be your name. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And we saw how, yes, God's name is holy and God is holy and nothing that we do changes that. But we have this responsibility to keep God's name holy in our sphere. So in our family, how are we representing God? How are we... Um, telling people about our good Father? How are we um, representing Him as, uh, how are we representing His grace, His forgiveness, His love to other people in our lives? Are we doing that in our families? Are we doing that in our workplaces? Are we doing that at schnooks and um, in everywhere that we go? Are we representing His name well? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Other translations might translate it, may your name be, be, may you be known as you truly are. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Liz did this one last week. And you can go listen to all these online if you miss one. I encourage you to do so. He's building his kingdom in and through us. Do you realize that? Like as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, you get to help build God's kingdom. He's building his kingdom in and through us. And that we say, God, I trust your will over my own. And so that brings us to today's line, Give us today our daily bread. Before we get into the meaning of that phrase, seems pretty simple, right? You know, I'll, I'll tell you, uh, as, as a pastor, when we pick sermon series, we have uh, like these few sermons that we know are going to be great. We're really excited about them. Like for this one, it was... The kingdom stuff. We love the kingdom stuff. Um, give us today our daily bread is kind of like, okay, give us what we need, God, right? We, we kind of think that. But as I've been studying this week, it is just, it's changed the way that I've been praying. It's changed the way that I've prayed the Lord's Prayer. And I hope that it inspires the same in you. It's been so good for me. And so there's a shift going on from a, a God-focused prayer to now it shifts to us. Because we've gone from your name, your kingdom, your will, and we've moved to give us, forgive us, lead us, and deliver us. Your name, your kingdom, your will, and now we're moving into give us, forgive us, lead us, deliver us. Before we get to ask things for ourselves, even our needs, we first invited God's will into our lives. The order here is really important. We've aligned ourselves with God. We've called him our good father. We've said, let your kingdom invade my life. I want your will in my life. And now we're saying, provide for us. As we seek him first, our hearts become properly aligned to him. There's a refining and a tuning of our hearts that happens when we pray his name. His kingdom and His will. So that our hearts are already warmed to His love. Um, and it's, and it's, uh, it causes us to get over kind of our selfish prayers, our self-absorption. Oftentimes when we first start to pray, uh, we make prayers all about us, don't we? That's kind of like the natural starting point if you've heard a kid pray. There's this story of uh, a son and his mom... And the mom said, hey, you know what? Today's a special day, just because I decided it's special. We're going to go to McDonald's and get Happy Meals. And he was like, yeah, Happy Meals, because every kid loves a Happy Meal. So they get in the car, and they start going to McDonald's, and they see this car wreck right in front of McDonald's. And the mom, who has taught her son, like, hey, when we see something like that, we can pray for them, and we can pray that God helps them. Uh, The son says, hey, Mom, can we pray for them? And, oh, she's like... You know, if your kid says that, your heart just leaps with joy. Like, yes, I've been training you for this moment to pray when you see things like this. And so she says, absolutely, that would be great, honey. Why don't you start us in a prayer? And so he says, dear Jesus, help those people get out of the way of McDonald's so that we can get in the entrance and get our Happy Meal. Those are kind of some of the prayers that we pray. Have you ever prayed a prayer like that, like a selfish, completely selfish prayer? I remember when I was in junior high, my life revolved around hockey and basketball. And I would say that 98% of my prayer life was either for my basketball stats, my hockey stats, my. It was not ice hockey, by the way. It was inline on rollerblades hockey. It was through the YMC. It was really cool. It was fun. Um, or the teams that I followed. You know, like I. Um, when I was watching them on TV, I'd be like, oh, God, let them score. Or if I was like coming off the bench or about to do a tip-off in basketball because I was the tallest and I could win sometimes, um, I'd be like, oh, God, let me get this tip-off. Those were my prayers. They're completely selfish prayers. And those continue today. Like We have those selfish, selfish prayers, don't we? But as we mature in our faith and we learn to pray like Jesus, where we put God first and his will first, we come to understand that his will is best. So what happens when we learn to pray like Jesus? What happens when we learn to pray with our eyes on him first? There's this shift, a shaping, a reordering in the nature of what we ask for ourselves. When we start with your name, your kingdom, your will, we're orienting our hearts to what's most important. In natural, we, we pray selfish prayers, and that's okay sometimes. It's not a sin to pray a selfish prayer. But I think our prayers will change when we put God first. How does pray? Have you guys ever prayed like against an enemy? Have you ever prayed like, oh God, like take them down? Or like, God, I get rid of that person. Like, I I don't want them at my workplace anymore. I hope they get fired. You know those prayers? I think we've all had some of those. But when we pray, your kingdom, your will be done, we're thinking about what God wants and his order. And so maybe that changes the way that we pray for our enemies. Maybe we choose to love our enemies through prayer and pray for those who may seem to be against us. There's a built-in qualifier and trust that precedes our personal ask. What I mean by that is when we pray, your will be done, God, We've surrendered our desires. We've surrendered our wants to what God wants first. So first we surrender to God's will and then we ask for what we want. And so when we don't get what we want, I think it becomes easier to understand what God is doing in our lives. When we're aligned with Christ like that, it helps us to receive it helps us to receive an answer that maybe we necessarily didn't want. A no maybe a not yet answer maybe we feel like god's being silent in that moment because we're resting and reassured that his will is in our lives and his will is best we can better accept those things our experience then becomes also that uh, the good father often answers our prayers with the essence of what we're really asking for he's answering our prayers with the essence of what we're really asking for. You know, sometimes we don't even know what we should be asking. Um like in our like when a kid asks for a candy bar and it's five o'clock and dinner time, what they're really asking for is a meal, and they may not know that yet. I think the same things can happen with us. Have you ever prayed something and it's answered in maybe a deeper and truer way than what you were expecting or even wanting. Like you prayed a prayer and it turns out that that what happens, the answer to that prayer is just like way better than you could have ever imagined. So when we're aligned with Christ in our prayer life, we can say, I trust your will and here's what I want, but he often gives us what we need and we can say, Jesus, I trust in that. There's a shift in what our prayers sound like. Our asks are conditioned by the fact that we have already invited his will over and above our own. And in inviting his kingdom to come, we're cooperating with what Jesus instructs about seeking first the kingdom of God. And what happens when we seek first the kingdom of God? All these things are added, Jesus says. So give us today our daily bread. For us, uh, this bread is an image of our basic needs, isn't it? When you see that prayer, when you hear that prayer, it's a, it reminds you of, like, okay, God, provide for me my basic needs housing, shelter, whatever that may be. And that's true for us. And there's a little something extra that happens for the hearers, uh, Jesus' audience, the people that hear from Jesus. They're all Jewish. Uh, You know, from before that, Jesus gives this prayer two times in the Bible um, that's recorded. I wonder if, I'll ask him when I get to heaven, did you teach us a lot? Did you teach it often and just didn't get recorded? Um, But we have these two times, one on the Sermon on the Mount and one here in Luke 11 when the disciples ask, teach us to pray. And both times he gives it, he's giving it to a a Jewish audience. And so when they hear the phrase, give us today our daily bread, when they hear daily bread, That's a direct callback to manna from heaven for them. The story, so not every one of them, every one of them who heard Jesus say that daily bread, they immediately conjured up an image of this entire 40-year period where Jesus provided, or where God provided for them in miraculous ways. And so maybe you know the story of uh, when Jesus, God saved them from slavery in Egypt, and Moses said, let my people go, and Pharaoh was like, nope. And then he was like, no, really, you got to do it. And then plagues came, and then finally Pharaoh was like, okay, fine, you can go. And then finally they went. So through all these miracles, God saved them out of slavery. And then they there's nowhere to go but into the wilderness, into a desert. And six, six weeks after they get into the desert, the Israelites start grumbling and complaining to Moses, their leader, and they say, Moses, why did you bring us out here? We're going to die. There's no food out here. There's hardly any water. We should just go back to Egypt where we had plenty of bread to eat and where we had uh, pots of meat is what they say. And Moses brings that to God. And he's like, God, your people, they're complaining. And God says, all right, here's what I'm going to do for you guys. And notice that he does this even in their complaining. Like, they're not even asking nicely. He knows their needs and provides for them. He gives them manna from heaven. And so this bread-like substance just covers the ground every morning. For 40 years, it just covers the ground exactly what they need. There's some people that try and gather it up and store it. And then they find out that, like, oh, we can't do that because this doesn't last very long. They would wake up the next morning with, like, their hoard of manna and there would be worms in it. It would be gross and moldy. And so God was just saying, you don't need to store it up because I'm providing for you every day. You don't have to do that. Um, they couldn't save it. And God just provided And then here's what, another cool thing about that is that on Fridays, their, their Sunday, their Sabbath day was on Saturday. On Fridays, God would put double the manna down and they could gather double the manna and it would last through, those, through the next days. Um, so that they didn't have to go out and gather on the Sabbath. Um, and then there was times when uh, they wanted some meat, and so God provided quail so plentiful that all they had to do was like stick up a staff and the quail would run into it and they'd have some quail stew that night. Like that that kind of provision. There is another time where they needed some water. And Moses taps a rock with his staff and God makes water pour out of this rock. Um, there are other times when people start attacking them, and God protects them and gives them favor. Um, so it's just this: when He says "daily bread," it's not just like "provide me what I need every day." It's an immediate callback to when the Israelites were provided for by a faithful God, when God provided need after need. Here's another one: they uh, it says that their sandals and clothes never wore out. Can you imagine that? Like. I have shoes where the soles are just falling off the bottom. You know, it's like a little mouth there. And I love those shoes, and I haven't thrown them away yet because I'm like, maybe I'll take them to a cobbler or something that can fix them, I don't know. And I haven't thrown them away. But what if your shoes just lasted forever? It made me think like, okay, I have kids. I have three kids. They grow out of their shoes like every week, it seems like. Did like the kid's shoes just grow with their feet? Like that's another question I'm going to ask in heaven. Like how did how'd that work, God? Um... So it was this time of provision. They immediately heard daily bread, they heard provision. And I wonder if we can do the same thing. If when we hear daily bread, we can think of the times in our lives and go back and remember all the times where God has been faithful to us, where he's provided for our needs in amazing ways. Maybe you're in a desert place of your life and God provided time after time. As I was praying this prayer the other day, I got to give us today your daily bread, and I, I just took, I was in bed. I couldn't fall asleep. Like, it was one of those things where I was just thinking thing after thing after thing. I was thinking of the people who have poured into me. I'm thinking of the people who have blessed me. I'm thinking of the places I've been and learned and these struggles I've had And every time God provided for me. It was the best time I've ever had not being able to fall asleep. As annoying as that is, it was a real blessing. So this daily bread, it's a reminder of God's tender care for us. While these Israelites were living in a literal desert, the Lord provided for them. And so Jesus instructs us to petition our Heavenly Father, give us today our daily bread. And in doing so, he also encourages us to remember the times where he has been faithful and provided for us and reminds us that God is a God we can trust to provide for us. So as we pray this, remember the times where God has been faithful to your family. Your maybe you're like distant family. Remember the times where he's gone through your life and provided for you. Maybe even go back to the Psalms. You can read the Psalms and see how God's provided for the psalm writers and how that can also apply to your life. This is something we get to celebrate daily. Give us today our daily bread. You know, Jesus doesn't say, "All right, once a year, On January 16th, I want you to go to the temple and pray for all of your needs and then you don't have to pray for them again. There's this desire where we come to the Father daily. Have you ever had someone in your life that they just like love cooking for you? Like it's an enjoyment for them? If you're on Facebook, you can write that down. um, Is there someone in your life Maybe you are that person that loves to cook for your family. For me, um, my mom, every time I go home, will make cinnamon rolls for the family. Not just like one batch of cinnamon rolls, but like stacks on stacks on stacks of cinnamon rolls. Her cinnamon rolls are the most delicious cinnamon rolls in the world. And one time she took them to the fair, the the county fair, McLean County Fair. I think it used to be like one of the biggest county fairs a while ago. Anyway, um, they got second place in like the bakery division. Only beat out by Avanti's bread, if you've ever had that. Someone baked Avanti's bread somehow. So I feel like that was kind of cheating. Anyway, she makes them for us when we come home. And why does she do that? Why does she make us these cinnamon rolls? It's it's yes, because of love. That's our first answer. But really, it's out of relationship. She loves it when we come home. She loves it when me and my sister and my brother come home and spend time with her and be with her. And so she knows that we love cinnamon rolls. She bakes them for us. It's to have relationship with us. And I think the Father provides for us in the same way, and He loves when we come to Him. Daily provision from the Father keeps us close in close relationship with Him. The whole transaction of asking and receiving, being generous, being thankful, it's all about cultivating a relationship with the Father. Daily manna in the wilderness was a reminder that they had a faithful and capable provider who would help them with everything from bread to everlasting shoes to protection from their enemies. Richard Foster, uh, an author, wrote in Finding the Heart's True Home, one of his books, he says, It is a false humility to stand back and not share our deepest needs. His heart, God's heart, is wounded by our reticence. Just as we long for our own children to share with us the petty details of their day at school, so God longs to hear from us in the smallest matters of our lives. It delights him when we share. So today, we've made a transition in our prayer. From your name, your kingdom, your will, to now give us, forgive us, lead us, and deliver us. And when we pray in such a way, it engages our heart to be aligned with what God the Father is doing in our lives. We now understand that God knows the cries and needs of our heart more than sometimes we even do. And so when we pray to the good Father for his will to be done, his kingdom come in our lives, and then ask for our needs, sometimes he can answer in a different way than we're expecting. And that's all right, because it's a deeper, truer understanding of our prayer. He often is answering our prayers in a deeper way that our souls are actually longing for. In the same way, my kids ask me for a cookie at 5.30 p.m. And instead, I offer them a full dinner that actually is satisfying. And lastly, we've come to know that this prayer, Give Us Today Our Daily Bread, is an invitation to remember all the ways that God has been faithful to provide for us in the past. And so now we pray this prayer, Good Father, always near us. May you be known as you truly are. Build your kingdom in and through us. I trust your will over my own. Please provide our basic and deepest needs today, as you faithfully have in the past. Jesus, thanks for giving us this prayer. I'm more than ever just learning to love it. And kind of just dwell in it like I haven't before. And so I thank you for giving us this prayer. thank you for teaching us how to pray. God, I think about um, this church and how you've provided for this church. I think about my life and how you've provided for it. I thank you for everything that you're doing in our church. I look forward to what's happening in our church. And I expect you to continue to be faithful in our lives. And so, Jesus, we love you. And we ask... Provide today our daily bread. Amen. At Life Community Church, we want you to experience the powerful, life-changing love of God. To learn more, go to lifemuhammad.org.